Hello once again. Cougar Nation, welcome back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. It's our week 10 installment of the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll take a look back at a nail-biter under the Friday night lights. It was a last-second win for visiting ECU. Cougs now 4-5 and five as they get set to travel to Boise for a Saturday night game with the Broncos this upcoming weekend. And on today's show, we're talking BYU football with Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb and Defensive Coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. We'll start the program with... BYU's special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, welcome back in. Thanks, Greg. Well, uh, let's maybe backtrack to the week of buildup to ECU. What kind of week did your guys give you as you were trying to, again, shake loose of that, that slide that continued? But how did you feel going into what was Friday night? I thought our focus was really good. Um, I, I Obviously, I spend more time with the defense, and so I'm able to speak more towards that and the special teams. And I thought that the guys had good focus. They they want to win. They're chasing a win. They're trying to get better. There's that uh, elusive blend of um, confidence and humility that I think um, you know we just haven't we haven't captured yet on this uh, losing streak that we've had. But I thought we were much closer to where we need to be from a mental standpoint during the week of practice. Was there a kind of game that you expected going in and did what you saw Friday, at least in terms of pace or tempo, kind of match up what you thought might be possible that night? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we would always love to hold every team to zero yards and zero points. But uh, ECU is one of the best offenses in the country as a senior quarterback that uh, does a really nice job. We knew that they were going to throw the ball in the air and uh, at times go at pace, go at tempo. And so there's, um, you know, we, 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 what we were hoping for was a low scoring game. We didn't exactly get that. Um, but we just didn't, you know, in, in the end, didn't make enough plays as a whole team to pull out the victory. We've got to look at the kicking game early in this game. Uh, BYU had yet, to, had yet to attempt a field goal in the month of October, but your first drive on Friday night ended with a 36-yard Jake Oldroyd field goal. Why was that important uh, for multiple reasons, maybe? Sure, yeah, I think it's important for the whole team um, for, from a confidence in Jake's standpoint, but, but mostly uh, being that I work with, with Jake so much as a, as a human and as a player, as a student athlete, to see him uh, break through and have that moment where he can celebrate and feel good. His, his Ball striking has been so on point, but just not accurate. But in terms of the ball flight, the trajectory, so many things have been good. I think he felt snake bitten. It was nice to get over that hump. And it was in that weird 33 to 38 range too that had proven problematic for some reason too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's that's the range where it's you know especially for him with the leg strength that he has, there's there's pressure to make it. He's got plenty of leg to make it, but it's not so close that he can just punch it punch it through and know that the trajectory right or left is going to be is going to be in good shape. He uh, it's one that it's it's right in that middle range. There were expectations are high, but it's not in a chip shot. A few weeks ago, you were on the program and we were talking about kind of the competition for kicking because there were some struggles at the time. But I think if I recall correctly, last week, you indicated that you wanted to kind of maybe put that part of things to bed and say, no, Jake is the guy and he remains. The, is, was that an accurate interpretation? Yes. Um, and I, I've been able the last couple of weeks to spend a lot more time during practice with the specialists and uh, both uh, punt and and field goal uh, guys and it, so we were able to compete we were able to play a lot of different games games like you know horse or, or pig um, charting the guys so a lot more kind of attention to detail and uh, my gut the, the feeling I had in my gut is that Jake is our highest potential kicker. And after working with, with all three of our guys in that type of setting over and over, uh, it, it, it was definitely clear that we needed to put all of our investment in Jake at this time and see how good he could get. Do you think that made or will make a difference in how he approaches going forward? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think, I think that uh, the increased attention on... Um, 
on competing in practice has been good for all of our kickers. I like the development that I've seen in Cash Peterman and, uh, and Justin Smith as well. And so I think it's raised all of their game. And, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, something that I should have been doing more often mm. before. Okay. Uh, before we talked about kicking there, you mentioned uh, uh, the offense that ECU uh, brought to the table and, and some really good weapons. Holton Ayler was the quarterback, Keaton Mitchell the running back, Isaiah Winstead the wide receiver, uh, and they were all part of a short drive touchdown. Made it 7-3 ECU in the first quarter, and uh, we saw quickly that they could uh, really pressure a defense with those three guys in particular. Really, really good players. Um, and we, like I said, we knew that going in, and uh, we had the, the running back bottled up on a few different occasions. He bounced out on us on the perimeter and got uh, yardage that you know basically ran around an unblocked guy on defense that just took a, a bad angle, and that happened to us way too many times. There's one of them right mm -hmm. there. And we added up uh, by the end of the, the video session um, over the weekend, we added up about 80 yards on that same type of bounce play around an unblocked defender. And so that, that really kept some of their drives going. I thought that uh, you know, from a secondary standpoint and from a, from a, a schematic standpoint, we were able to kind of at least put a top on their passing game, but we needed to be more consistent in the running game. A rare game with no passing touchdowns for them, as I recall, too. They did, I don't think they threw it to the end zone that yeah, night. We, we, yeah, I, I actually wasn't aware of that. Now that you say it, it yeah. it's obvious, but uh, it's not something, you know, the, really every defensive player is responsible to stop the run. Every, every defensive player is responsible to stop the pass. So we don't really However look. it happens. It, right, yeah. exactly. And so, you know, they, they got it in the end zone, however they got it in. Uh, no Chris Brooks for BYU on this night, but uh, BYU still wanted to run the ball, possess the ball, and, and uh, the lead that, or the drive that gave BYU the lead was exemplary. Uh, Ten plays, 92 yards. And of the 10 plays, seven were runs. BYU was committed to it on Friday night. We're committed to the run. We, we understand uh, going forward that we're going to have to be a, uh, playing complementary football at this point in the season with the fact that things have turned south for us in the win-loss column. We have to find that elusive uh, esprit de corps between the offense and the defense. And, and so playing complementary football, running the football is a big part of that. And I uh, was so pleased with the way the offensive line and, and uh, Lopini came out and really dictated some rushing yards for us early. We had a nice balance between the rush and the pass yeah. throughout the game. And um, again, you know, the, the, the final analysis of, of not getting the win is important. Win is, is certainly a, an important analysis, but I think that, um, you know, the offense is trending in the right direction in a lot of areas. And especially producing on the ground minus your leading rusher in yardage going into the night with, with Chris not, not able to play. Right, yeah. Lopini Katoa, he, he really showed up to play, and it wasn't just on on uh, on offense. He, he showed up to play in the kicking game and, and not as a ball carrier, as a blocker. And so it just shows what kind of heart and leadership he has and what he was ready to bring to try to bring this losing streak to an end. In the first half on Saturday, uh, BYU took a 17-10 lead in the second quarter. And on that drive in particular, Jaron Hall ran for 38 yards. And it was Jaron's biggest rushing night since the Utah game of last season. Uh, was there an intent? To, or has there been an intent to run Jaron a little bit more as the season goes along here? Yes, and I think everybody knows that Jaron's been dealing with some injuries that he couldn't play through but wasn't at 100%, and so that's going to limit it somewhat. Looking for those opportunities uh, both in the, in the playbook by design and then, and then just having a quicker trigger in his head like that one you saw right there where he didn't like what he saw down the field in the passing game, and so he took advantage of, of the fact that there was nobody looking at him, and uh, that's a huge weapon for us, and, and more and more as he's more comfortable coming and back into that part of his game, it's a, a, a big deal for us as a team. A bad news, good news scenario uh, to cap off my look back at the first half on, on Friday. 
there was a three and out with a chance to kind of own the end of the first half. That was the bad news, but the good news was Ryan Rico unleashed a 71-yard punt, and that was 71, basically 71 air yards the way he kicked it. Yes, and that's two games in a row where he's, he's been able to get the ball to turn over at least on at least one of his punts, and uh, we all know the potential that he has. Anybody that pays attention to BYU football, you've seen, you've seen these punts out of him before. We just got to continue to find a way to do it uh, more often and more consistently, and, and that's his challenge and my challenge. And again, I think it was one of those kicks where his plant foot maybe kind of stayed down. Like it, did, it didn't come up in the air like you see with a lot of long punts. Yeah, we, we, he and I talk about that a lot. That's it, it, when he's at his best. He's grounded into the ground. He's pushing the ball through his, through his kick leg and uh, using power from the ground. And that's when he's most relaxed. It was a very clean pocket all, all night for him. And that was part of the reason that he punted so well. Can we re- revisit what makes a professional punter? What are the things the NFL guys are looking for? Sure. Well, number one is operation time. There's all, there are all kinds of college kickers that have a pretty good net punt average, and, and, uh, but they're rolling the ball on the ground or they're kind of rolling out. The rollout style punt is more popular in college football because, because of the rule differences between the NFL and college. In the NFL, they're looking for operation time, a guy that can catch the ball, get rid of it quickly. Also, an efficiency of operation in terms of number of yards, so not a long striding punter, a guy that gets it off very quickly. Ryan has both of those. And then the, the last one, again, because of the rule, uh, differences in college and the pros, the the NFL guys aren't allowed to release down the field, at least the protection guys, until after the ball is punted. And so you really have to be great with directional punting into the mm-hmm. sideline. You watch an NFL game, typically it's going to be kicked uh, below the numbers on, on the, to the right or to okay. the left. Uh, we're worried more about Ryan as a collegiate punter for a while longer, but is it something he wants to be? And can you could you see him being a professional punter? Uh, he will be. That's his goal. Uh, that's that's my goal for him. We're, we recruited him to that. We have those expectations. Expectations. Any of our players that have the, you know, the, the, the necessary, uh, tangible measurements and skills, then it's it's our job to help them get to that level, and I, and I believe it will be. Before we break, uh, a few times we've seen you uh, shift the snap to a diagonal. Uh, what's the what's the objective there? Different it's, angles for him. Yeah, it's the, it's to change up the, uh, the 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 look for the punt return team. The same way you change it up for a for a quarterback again because of. Because in college football, the rules are so different than they are in the pros, we get a lot of different punt return and punt blocks uh, looks too. And so it's important that, uh, it's important that we, we change that pocket from time to time. You've seen the rollout punt. He's mm-hmm. done at least one of those this yep. year. He likes that as well. He can do that at any time. And then the, uh, the, the directional snap also gives him a chance to maybe punt back through some linear angles in a directional scheme. Okay, good clarification. Thank you. Uh, break time on the coordinator's corner. And we pause briefly with this reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night and every Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. We do that show with a live studio audience. I'll post the seat request link on my Twitter feed so you can get seats for the show. And we'll see you down the hall in Studio C tomorrow night. Coming up after this break, a low-scoring second half against ECU saw the Pirates score last and in the last second of play. We'll look back at that more with Coach Lamb next. Stay with us. Rico. Boots away under no pressure. Whoa. And just destroys this one. Backpedal, 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 and bobbled by the punt returner at the three. He's hammered at the three as he swallowed it up, and that will set the Pirates back. They'll see the two-yard line, a massive punt from Rico. All right, the BYU Cougars now 4-5 and five on the season, seeking to snap a four-game slide with a trip to Boise State on Saturday night. The Cougs' latest loss was a 27-24 setback at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this past Saturday, Friday night at versus ECU. Uh, BYU's 13-game nighttime win streak, which is kind of unusual, had been going. That comes to an end. Uh, coordinator's Corner continues now. 
with special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. BYU's done a very nice job with opening drives in second halves over the last month or so. And, and Friday, another opening drive TD to open the second half. 11 plays, 75 yards. BYU was controlling clock, picking up first downs, and scoring. And leading 24-17, I'm sure things felt uh, like you had this thing where you wanted it. Yeah, we're, we're celebrating the, the good moments for sure. It's the, the, the idea of taking control of the last part of the, of the first half and the first part of the second half. That's something that we work hard with, our players understanding that. We work hard as a coaching staff to try and create the last possession of the first half and, uh, and then try to come out with some momentum. That's one of the advantages to winning the coin toss and deferring. And those things seem to all be ticking and, and moving in the right direction. So BYU did take a 24-17 lead uh, in the third quarter. It would be the last time BYU would score on the night, but it didn't feel at the time that this was going to do it for BYU because they kept moving the ball. Uh, this is the, uh, the screen to chase that ends up putting BYU up 24-17. ECU, to its credit, answered quickly, though. Uh, and, and at 24-24, once it was tied 24-24, well, here comes the ECU drive that took them downfield. Uh, it did square the game at 24. The most, maybe the most crucial drive of the game for BYU came up after this ECU answer back, Ed, and it was because it was a 14-play drive for BYU and lasted almost eight minutes, but ended with no points. That's right. Yeah, you're talking about the stop that, that we were able to get yeah. Yeah, after that after this scoring drive. Yeah, that, that was a big, huge stop for the guys. Such a confidence uh, boost. And I think uh, moving forward for the team, the you know the idea to look back and see how many times we were one play away from winning that game, I think is something that we can take uh, moving forward as momentum in the right direction. You know, I, I want to be clear. There's no there's nobody on our staff. There's nobody on our team that is looking for moral victories and in losses. You know, but we're at a point right now where we really have to find and build on the things that we're doing well or the things where we are showing some promise. It was very early in the fourth quarter, second play I think of the fourth quarter when BYU gets to the fourth and two off that long, long drive. And there's a discussion there at that point. Uh, do you try for points or, or try and get the first down? Can you take us back to that discussion? Sure, yeah, that, that discussion, again, I, I've, I've alluded to it before. The decisions are, are made at that point for us. And really what, we're, what we would be looking for is like, is our quarterback hurt? Is our kicker hurt? Something that would, that would radically change the decision. The, you know, from an, just from an analytic standpoint, the, the idea of uh, fourth and two, that's, a, that's almost a 70% uh, proposition, just national and national average-wise. Um, of course, uh, you know, some people have the idea that, uh, you know, take the three as in take the field goal. Well, field goals aren't automatic. As we've seen. <laughs> as, as we've seen, and so that's, that's part of that equation. And then, and then there's the, you know, the expected points advantage of, of getting the first down versus, you know, even taking the field goal, there's a, there's a big point differential there that might happen, including field position, time of possession, et cetera. So the, the decision was made to go for it. And any, anything that's, that doesn't end up being the right decision is, was the wrong decision in the moment. But that was the thought going in. I know Kalani after the game said, yeah, looking back, but that's what sure. you do when you don't win the game. Yeah, I think I, I, that's mature of Kalani, right? Like all of the analytics, had we, had we tried to kick a field goal there and missed or had we kicked a field goal and then gave up a touchdown on the, on the ensuing possession, um, you know, the, it, it would have been, the criticism would have been, well, it was fourth and two. You should have gone for it. Yeah. It's almost a 70% proposition there to get the first down. And so, and, but we get that. Like we, there's, there's nobody coaching football at this level of football who didn't a long time ago bet on themselves, understand odds, and, and decide to go and make tough decisions. And we, we know when they, 
when they work out and when they don't. When it didn't work out, uh, ECU drove and a field goal was missed. And so you're kind of back to square one again. And then BYU finds itself in another uh, fourth and short situation in the very next drive. Yeah. Different scenario, though, because it was like a third and 11, got gained 10. You had the advantage of tempo, hurry up, and Jaron on the sneak didn't get the yard. That's right. Yeah, um, East, East Carolina did a really nice job of crowding the line of scrimmage um, in that situation. They, they played basically an, an all or nothing uh, for the sneak. We didn't quite get the ball seated well enough and, and find the, the hole. The hole wasn't right behind the center in that situation. It's a That's a really difficult play. Um, what I'm describing as, as easy, you know, or just find the hole is, is not easy. But, uh, you know, I thought there was an opportunity uh, looking back and, and quarterback sneak on fourth and one is a 90% uh, proposition. We just we weren't able to execute it in that moment. Then the defense really stood, stood tall. Uh, ECU got down to the BYU 10-yard line with a third and two. Well, actually, before that, let, let's, let's call it a second and three from the 11, a third and two from the 10, and a fourth and one from the nine and did not convert. And BYU at that point gets the ball back and you think we do what we needed to do there. Yeah, it's a couple of really nice uh, defensive series in a row and, and really bad field position uh, yeah. um, in the fourth quarter there. And um, again, something uh, to build on. And nobody, nobody feels good. And, but uh, as coaches, we've got to lead the way and celebrate the positive moments because uh, this season is not over. It's not over for us. You know, it, it may be over for some people in terms of you know, nationally or whatever, right off BYU. But this team's still practicing. This team's still playing. These players are still uh, giving everything they have for the Cougars, and, and the coaches have to lead the way for that. I want, I want to follow up on that point. After we wrap up what happened in, in the fourth quarter, BYU's last drive offensively was a three and out, and, and so ECU got the ball last. Let's take it right to that fourth and eight uh, from the BYU 37-yard line. They opted not to try a 54-yard field goal, and that was a possibility because their other kicker that wasn't kicking Friday had kicked from 54 for his career long, had struggled this year. Were you surprised, A, they didn't try that, and then we could take us through the fourth and eight call? Or the fourth and eight defense. I'm sure. Say. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't too surprised. It's right in that area where you know. I think had it been fourth and ten, they, they, they may have tried to pin us or something like that. Uh, this one right here was so unfortunate. Caleb Hayes had great position. His technique was fantastic. He just got grabby at the end, and uh, I, you know he could coach it up. He can coach it up better than I can. He knows what he's doing. He's a veteran player. It was a fantastic job of what we call fade step. He's in such great position to make the play. Talon Alfred's he's got safety help. The play. He's got safety help, and he just he just got grabby and and uh, missed an opportunity there to, to really get an, uh, one more chance for the offense. So it's a, it's a legit call in that in that situation. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think you know Caleb would tell you that he should have went up with two hands and, and intercepted the pass. It was an interceptable pass. It was fantastic coverage from in terms of his body position, where it was for that play and that defense that was called. Everything was perfect except for the grab. You went into that drive defensively. I think with all three of your timeouts left, how did you want to use those timeouts down the stretch with ECU? Yeah. Well, initially the idea was to to get the ball back and to use the timeouts as much as we needed to to get the ball back. And then after that uh, fourth and eight, it changed at that, at that point. Um, you know, Kalani uh, felt like he wanted to use them to ice the, ice the kicker in that situation. And there is some, some analytical evidence to, to support that uh, kickers do struggle more, uh, somewhat more, when, when they're iced. You know, it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a great kick. Um, yeah, it so wasn't great, but it was good enough. It was good enough. Yeah. yeah, on the scoreboard, it was a great kick, and uh, and they delivered in that moment. But uh, yeah, at that point, with I think it was uh, 30, 
three seconds left or something like that, we had two timeouts. The decision was, is, are they more valuable to ice or are they are they more valuable uh, to try to get the ball back with sub, you know, 30 seconds left, I guess, somewhere in there. Yeah. I remember going into the game, part of the pregame buildup was, wouldn't it be interesting if it came down to a kick because both teams have kind of had their struggles in special teams. I think, I think their, long, their long field goal make on the year might have been only 32 yards. Mm -hmm. And they made from 33. And again, it wasn't a boomer. It was a line driver and it was low. How close was it to being or was it even uh, deflected, or did we get a touch on it? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't get a touch. We had a, that was the the block mechanism is a is a low push rising to a block, and we had uh, a couple of guys lose their feet inside, and, and so they never did rise up for that timed uh, hand in the air uh, from the interior. You see, I think you see in that clip, there's some guys coming from the outside mm. who got their hand in the air and, and really striving for that. But really, that that one needed to be blocked by middle push. We see, and, and, and there were some guys running around, jumping. There were others that just kind of just laid down from ECU. They were, they were exhausted, but they were like, this is a big win for that program, similar to Liberty the week before. Yeah. BYU's a target team. Yeah, BYU's a target team, and, uh, and that's that game, in any situation, any opponent, a game that ends like that, uh, there's so much emotion going each way. You know, when, when they were at fourth and eight, they probably felt like they were probably going to lose that game with mm -hmm. our offense coming out yet again after another fourth down stop. And, uh, and so for them to kind of find life and find life again and then and then see that field goal go up and expect that to miss and come up short. I think everybody that saw it go up was like, oh, I think that's going to come up short and miss. Yeah. And yet it kind of helicoptered through the, you know, the perfect soccer shot in the bottom corner. Uh, yeah, uh, it was another game for BYU with zero giveaways. That's a positive. No giveaways in six of nine games this year. That's hard to do. Two-thirds of your football games not give the ball away uh, with, with true, ter uh, true turnovers. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. you said the yeah. word turnovers. I think uh, sometimes takeaways on defense, you can give defense credit. It's the turnovers that we are concerned about. Poor decisions uh, late in the pocket. Jaron's so good at not doing that. And poor ball security. Most fumbles are because of poor ball security. Our guys just pay tremendously close attention to that, do a great job with it. Okay, let's get to our special teams players of the week from last Friday night. I alluded to Lopini Katoa, yeah. what leadership he showed. He was a lead blocker on our kickoff returns, and, and we, we, you know, we almost had a chance to bust one or two of those, and he, he was making key blocks. We didn't, but uh, the way he played, the physicality, the courage, I gave him the special teams player of the game. Top block, Mason Fakahu, he could get that any week. He's mm -hmm. a guy that played a bigger role uh, running, rushing the football for us a, a week ago, and this week he didn't play as much at running back, but he just kept out, you know, did the same level of professionalism and, and pride in his uh, return game blocking and then uh, Micah Harper made what could have been a huge play put his face right on the football on a kickoff coverage uh, made the hit about the 24 yard line the ball came popping out and yeah. we, almost, we almost got it that would have been such a huge play at that moment all right congrats to special teams players of the week thank you coach time for a break as we take this time out a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings shakes to salads JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh American Fork Provo South Jordan and Harriman well this weekend BYU plays at Boise State we invite you to tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU radio starting at 5 p.m. Eastern 3 p.m. Mountain the kick at 7 p.m. Eastern 5 Mountain Saturday night Coming up next, closing comments from BYU's special teams coordinator, Ed Lamb. The coordinator's corner continues after this. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Two receiving options left and right. Ball far hash. Jaron goes for the end zone. A wide open Puka Nakua makes a sliding catch for six. The Cougars go back in front. 16-10 with the PAT pending. Puka had his man beat. All Jaron Hall had to do was find him, and he does with a perfectly placed pass in the left side of the end zone for the touchdown. 
You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU's special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. BYU at 4-5 and five on the season and needing two wins in its final three regular season games to get bowl eligible. The Broncos got their sixth win over the weekend with a home win over Colorado State. Boise is bowl eligible for a 25th consecutive season. And after kind of a so-so start to their year, they're on a roll right now. Boise State, that does. Oh, they sure are. They've, they've, found, uh, they've found some momentum at quarterback and uh, that's that's making it go. They've played good, solid defense all year long through a disappointing start where they had some close losses. Um, they were still playing pretty solid on defense. Um, they were controlling the ball on offense, but just not dynamic enough, not scoring. And uh, they've really become a dynamic team on offense in the last couple of games. Um, the quarterback makes it all go with his feet. Great yeah. clip right here of him mm -hmm. rushing. He's got great open field speed. Uh, very, very accurate passer. Really, uh, you know, in the pocket, he's kind of very casual and, and almost relaxed. And then he just will rip in a pass um, right in the right spot. Does a good job with his eyes downfield. They've always ran the ball well at Boise State. They always play with a lot of toughness, all three phases. And so it's a real challenge for us. Yeah, Taylor Green's the name of that quarterback. And after taking over early in the year. He's just really got into a flow quickly. He's the uh, Offensive Player of the Week in the Mountain West Conference this week. Yeah, he's done better and better every every single week. And I, and I thought from the moment he came in, you can see the, the spark and the charge and what he brings. But um, it typically, or um, specifically, his accuracy over the last uh, couple of games has just improved dramatically. So is it Boise looking like Boise again, basically? Oh, they sure are. Yeah, these these guys are they're tough. They could beat anybody in the country right now. The way they're playing on defense, um, the ability, the, the big play they have ability on offense, um, they're, they're a real challenge. Let's go back to what you said before uh, our last break, and that's where this team's um, approach is, where its mindset and its headspace is right now. With uh, uh, now, now you're under 500. You need to win two of three. You know that you got to win at least one road game to, to reach the postseason. Um, but these are all things that are motivating. Yeah, uh, you know, I think if you if anybody pays attention to the way that uh, Kalani runs this football team, there's. Um, there are life lessons to be had in, in football always, you know, and commitment to a cause, self-sacrifice, hard work, et cetera. But right now, the, the life lesson to be had is that, that there's merit in resetting goals. There's merit in overcoming uh, disappointment and um, you know, shutting, out, uh, shutting out negativity uh, from the outside and relying on family or coworkers or those that are in the fight with you. And, and uh, I think we're going to continue to, to preach that message. We fully expect that there's going to be a positive note, um, you know, as this, as this season comes to a close, that, that these boys can carry with them for the rest of their life, the, the idea of fighting through and finding success. You'll be an underdog at Boise State, no doubt about that. Is, is bowl, is the sixth win, I mean, the fifth win is the goal <laughs> before you get to six, but is that bowl thing, would that, would that be driving this team? Um, I, I think it probably is. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of dyed in the wool one and all get this week guy, mm -hmm. and so I, I probably just wouldn't be able to, to comment on that. But other than to say, I, I know our players want to go to a bowl game, our coaches want to go to a bowl game, and, and you do have to start to add those up at some point and figure out what the path to bowl eligibility is. Okay, well, here's to going one and all this week, Coach. Thank Thanks. You. All right, thank you for the time. All right, that is Coach Ed Lamb. Fans, you can get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's game against Boise State this Saturday night with BYU Sports Nation game day starting at. 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's this weekend on BYU TV. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner. It's brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach E after this.
You're back in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 4-5 and five on the season, kicking off its November slate at Boise State this Saturday night. Cougs 1-5 uh, and five all time on the blue turf in Boise, but the last visit in 2020 resulted in a resounding BYU win, 51-17 during the COVID season. We begin the second half of today's show with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach, good to see you once again. Good to be back, thanks. Well, uh, last time you were on the show, uh, you said... I'll do whatever Kalani wants me to do at the end of the program. Uh, and how have roles modified since we last talked a couple weeks ago? You know, he's, he's obviously stepped in um, uh, as a coordinator role. And so for him, it's really just uh, decision making. And I think you start to see personality of, of, uh, of coordinator and even the head coach, right? When you're, when, you're the head, when you're the coordinator and you've got a head coach that's a defensive guy, that's, he's always going to have a say in, in what you do. And, so, and that's just important uh, uh, for the head coach. But now, um, as guy that's running it we're really just um, still working together still doing the same thing that we're doing as far as just um, uh, working to just sound up game plans and, and personnel and work things together and I mean it's there's got to be a lot of discussion just uh, during the week in preparation to try to make the vision work um, and right and, and you know I basically fall into uh, the the D-line um, professional which is um, I've got to troubleshoot for holes in the game plan I've got to troubleshoot for just uh, personnel um, and uh, you know just things like that and, and coach Lamb does the same for the safeties and and coach Clune for the backers and and uh, and uh, so forth and so it's we're still working together and obviously um, not coming up with the result that we'd like but um, you know just uh, grinding away grinding away try to do our best to, to get some games uh, you know, under our belt. Does it make the workflow process go easier on defense since you've been with Kalani for so long and know him so well? Is there a bit of an unspoken language that way that helps things as you go through the week? Uh, yes, yes, and no. Right? It's it's uh, had had uh, been the coordinator for seven years and still trying to trying to make sure that we're doing what um, you know what he wants and what he sees and and uh, I mean there's I think there's a learning curve with any kind of change and so right now I think we're just coming out of the bottom of the learning curve and and uh, starting to you know see things that are that are good see th th things that are heading in the right direction and just th still things that need to be fixed you know obviously um, we didn't play. Um, you know, as well as we would have liked to against mm -hmm. East Carolina this past Friday. But uh, there's still things to fix and things to, to kind of uh, troubleshoot and, and just get right. Even though the results haven't happened yet, uh, how would you describe Kalani's touch on the defense over the last couple of weeks that might be different from before? You know, it, it's... Uh, it's difficult on him, right? It's difficult on him when you when you've been doing, we've been running the defense for seven years, um, to step in and say, okay, um, we're going to do it this way and this way. I mean, he knows and understands that if you're just going to completely depart away from from uh, what you've been doing to try to try to do something differently, it, it could end up being worse than than uh, what you intended it to be. And so he understands that there's a, there's a fine balance and just okay, the kids understand this. Um, this is the language that's been used. Uh, these concepts. Uh, exist in this language right here. I mean, just all that stuff, right? Where as a head coach, sometimes uh, you've got, you're a little bit more detached from just what's going on totally and just the fine-tuned things of uh, the, happening on defense. But getting on the same page was just using the same language, getting on the same page with how things are being taught, just what this person's being taught and hey, this hole right here, why is it? And, and kind of talking about uh, theory and and really when you're talking about that kind of stuff, it shows up in, in all positions. Um, 
I've been teaching it this way because this, this, and this, and this, right? There's always reasoning behind uh, something that you've been teaching as a, as a position coach at corner safety, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, Kalani's got a past too of, of being a coordinator. It's like, well, I've also taught it this way, and I see the, the problems with that, but I also see the benefit of it. And um, when we're talking theory, well, let's just, let's after it's all done, okay, let's do what, what you want because there's, there's, uh, there's pros and cons to both of them. Uh, there's a certain way that you see it, and we just have to make it work um, in, in whatever your vision is. And I think that's the, the thing that's probably been the most important. Okay. You come down to the field. Uh, how's it been for you the last couple of weeks uh, to be with your guys uh, right there at field level? Yeah, it's it's uh, pros and cons to both. You, know, you see the game so much better from the box, but to be in it, uh, um, the emotion of it, to be able to see your players in the face, to be able to sit down and and uh, you know talk without having to get one guy on the phone and you know just kind of go through, especially when you've got so many D linemen that are playing. Um, I, I think it's been huge, and so um, definitely been excited about that change to get back down and just be on the field, um, but comes at a cost of me not being able to see everything uh, yeah. in its totality but we've got we've got other guys up there now that are doing a good job and and uh, coach Hadley went upstairs right Hadley's upstairs yep and sent, sent a couple of other guys upstairs to just yeah. uh, you know try, try to make it work okay let's get to a bit of what happened on the weekend first of all deal with the the injury woes again it's crazy uh, you're already down Malik Moore and down Peyton Wilgar uh, starters and then Max Tooley uh, wasn't available to you at linebacker and then Chaz Ayu just came in at linebacker left the game hurt as well so man linebacker core has just been really beaten up yeah yeah and it's uh yeah, it's just this one of those things it's just it, it almost feels like with all the years that I've been doing it almost feels like a little bit of just luck you know um, it's a physical sport it's a physical game um, sometimes you come out of it healthy and sometimes you don't and and uh, you just you know, next guy's got to be up there and be ready to play and and we've got to work around that 27 ECU points were enough for them but it was below their season average they came in with a really prolific and productive offense uh, how do, how well do you think the game plan was executed for the most part against ECU defensively I thought I thought for the most part it was there there were um, there were holes obviously in, in the run game there, that, that was the thing that when we came away with it it just felt like um, you know you always look at the end of the game as like, okay the pass interference at the end of the game if that didn't happen felt like we would have had a chance to come out of it but um, we had we had 10, 10 runs I think of 10 plus yards and for us that's just it just wasn't good and a lot of it had to do with just the uh, shape of the defense or just um, a young player just being out of position we had some guys that, that uh, had more snaps you know obviously with the injuries that you're talking about mm -hmm. young players that are playing more snaps than they have uh, this whole season and uh, you know when bullets are flying sometimes just the game the moment just your assignment some of those things just uh, <clears throat> the, the fit of where you are sometimes you just um, are wrong and so um, you know we've, we've got to be better with it we're gonna have to play with the young players and, and guys that uh, will play for us in the future and so it's a it's at least a great opportunity and when you're looking at it that way to to get guys reps to just keep getting them better for them to see themselves on film and make those corrections how would you compare ECU's top offensive weapons to some of the best of the other teams you've seen this year I thought they were a, an offense that was very in sync. Um, you know, it's a, a little bit, little bit different. You know, some of the other teams that we played, I thought they did a really good job. But um, and, and and just just had some some players that were just phenomenal players. But I thought uh, ECU was was really in sync. I mean. Um, you know, we, we knew going in, um, just at least from the from the heat chart of far, as far as where they threw the ball was, it was you know, zero to ten yards was eighty percent of the throws, and so the opportunity for us to get after the quarterback wasn't there as much in this game, and so 
um, thought the game plan was good. It's just the, the, the execution of it just wasn't as, as clean as we would have liked, obviously. Okay, you talked about putting heat on. Uh, I think BYU went through the entire month of October without a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, it's never just sacks. It's a stat that gets a lot of attention. But what's, I mean, is that a problem? Um, I thought in this last game, there were two opportunities for us to get sacks and we let them slip. Um, in a game, you'd like to get more than that, uh, more opportunities is what I'm talking about. It's just really this one came down to stopping the run. Mm. Um, I, I've got to kind of start thinking back to all the other ones. And, and uh, I mean, there were opportunities in, in the Liberty game, too, where we let the quarterback slip out. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you, you like you like more you like more production when it comes down to that um is it a problem yeah probably a, a, as much of a problem as all the other things that mm. are just stopping us from winning you know what i mean and from coming away from uh, um you know with with, with wins it's just 20 first downs and we only faced eight third downs and so we're looking at look at first down as, the, as an issue and first and second down is an issue versus third down and just if you don't play that many third downs and third and longs you're not going to get that many uh, opportunities to, to sack the quarterback and so uh, I probably um, at least in this game uh, lead, lead a little bit more to the run game than I would to sacks. And on the run game uh, we'll focus on Keaton Mitchell there he himself at 176 uh, rush yards on the day a um, couple big ones he broke uh, but he's a really good player. I was really impressed by how often he got himself outside and, and, and made things happen. Yeah, really patient. A lot, a lot like the, 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 the kid that we faced at Liberty. Just really Day-day patient. Hunter, yeah. yeah, we're really patient. There's nothing ended up happening. And the shape of the defense, you know, we feel like uh, feel like everything's kind of clogged up in there and then all of a sudden the runner, runner bounces out. It's really difficult on everybody that's showing up to the run. Um, you know, that, that right there is really yeah. the shape of the defense at the backer position. And, and uh, you know, running back gets out. I think he had two for 30-plus yards. One of them, he went untouched for the touchdown um, you know and that one that one was really just issues with shape you know and so um, a, a lot to, a lot to uh, to fix but also there's uh, some things that you can see that are fixable you know and, and it's uh, I think we spoke we spoke a couple weeks ago about when you start losing games you start you start going down rabbit holes you start you start going down all these different we're losing because of this we're losing because of this and it's just um, they all matter but uh, to say that one of them is more important than the other, um, I mean, it's that, that's where I think it's important that you stick to your culture and stick to what has won you games and just kind of tighten things up. Um, is the, the margin between wins and losses sometimes are just that. It's, mm. it's, uh, it's just a, a play here and a play there. It was back and forth first half. It ended 17-17 uh, at, at halftime. What do, you, what do you remember thinking at halftime at, at sitting at 17-all? Uh, felt like the shape of the defense was an issue at halftime. Just uh, you know the big runs that we ended up giving up, the touch, the, the 31-yard touchdown. Um, <clears throat> you know it kind of it kind of made us shy away from a couple of calls that we we called early in the game, um, mm-hmm. and uh, came back to it at the end of the game, and it actually helped us to to, to get that fourth down stop. And so um, you know r- really difficult in the moment, but at the moment definitely knew okay it's got to be. I mean shape of the defense is definitely an issue, and it's just really um, you know. The, a player or um, you know stop calling this call I mean those kinds of things just kind of come to your mind as you say okay all right do we keep giving up the shape in this call let's not call that one or we or this player's uh, maybe hurting us let's maybe try the, the guy that's backing him up I and mean, those kinds of thoughts uh, you talk about it at halftime and, and really it's got to be a combination of both of them especially when you don't have any players left right? <laughs> it's like empty the old bench out and the guys mm. that have practiced for you just are, are not there anymore yeah it's the story right now that's coach Eli Satuiaki we're heading to 
break with a reminder to watch after further review. Tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app is Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon break down last week's game. When we come back, more with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-tackles coach Eli Satuiaki as the coordinator's corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. More with Coach E is coming up right after this. Tie ball game, 24-24, 4.44 to go. Shotgun Ehlers, he's got a tailback and a wingback to give middle to Mitchell, driven back, didn't get it, he lost yards. The Kooks hold. All right, so back on the coordinator's corner, we're chatting with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Cougs on a four-game slide, tripping to Boise this weekend. Boise, uh, uh, the Broncos handing BYU its first loss of the 2021 season last year with a 26-17 decision at Lavelle Stadium. Cougs looking for payback this week. Well, uh, back to this last game BYU played against ECU. Uh, tie game at halftime uh, last Friday night. Both teams scored third-quarter touchdowns, so it was 24-24. Then um, something unusual in the fourth quarter. Uh, we saw back-to-back, well, here, here, here were the possessions. When BYU turnover on downs, ECU missed field goal. BYU turnover on downs, ECU turnover on downs. This thing was, it was there. Somebody was going to grab this game on Friday night, you were thinking. Yeah, yeah, it, it just came down to execution. You know, it came down to execution, and opportunities were there for us to win it against, against a good team, and, and uh, you know, they, they out-executed us when it came down the stretch. How happy were you with the way the defense particularly held on, uh, on on a fourth and one that got down to the BYU nine-yard line? They were sitting at a second and three from the 11, and their last two plays, they ran Mitchell, who was gaining yards all night. You stuffed him twice. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was huge, something to build off of. Uh, the boys, um, you know, rallied, especially when we needed it in that moment to, to get the ball back. Um, and so definitely something to build off of. I mean, like, like I said, really all year um, there's there there hasn't been any quit I mean these the, the players have played so hard and that's been something to be proud of um, the result hasn't been there but um, definitely something you can build off of I mean it's a diff- different thing when when uh, you've got guys that, that stop trying and, and I've and I've seen that before where mm. uh, you know on defense you're, you're on the receiving end I mean it's a uh, uh, there's there's a there's a lot that you put on your body in order to make tackles and in order to make stops and um, step in front of people that are running full speed and and uh, as soon as you lose the desire to do that um, as soon as you lose the want to mm. um, I mean it, it it's it's an ugly thing and right now it's not pretty but it's not like that where um, we've still we've still got guys that are playing really really hard. I want to take us back to one last play from Friday, then we'll move forward. But um, the fourth and eight, uh, can you review how that play and how it was defended by BYU? You know, it was uh, uh, we ended up playing man coverage uh, in a drop eight with some zone underneath, and um, they ran the play ex- exactly as we thought it would. And, and the corner actually played it really well. He, he fade stepped it, he tried to fade to the outside, and then stuck it inside, which gave the free safety an opportunity to get there. Um, it's just at the end there, he got a little grabby, and he didn't need to. He was in perfect. He played it perfectly. He was in perfect position. I think it's just a little panic um, as he as as the ball came up in the air, and uh, you know, and, and they get the call there. But you know, obviously that's that's one that you look at, and and you you'd love to get it back. I mean, I, I saw him in the locker room after him. And Caleb is such a great kid and a competitor. Um, just so emotional about that, and feeling like the game came down to that, I and mean, it didn't. It was. Uh, uh, that was one of the many plays that that uh, just cost us on defense, and there were there were a lot of you know defense plays that we needed to be better at. But 
Um, I mean, he, he was, he's so competitive, and I think that when the ball was in the air, the, that the you know two or three yards of just being a little grabby is what mm -hmm. cost us in that one. But free safety was where he needed to be. He was on the outside of the receiver where he needed to be, and just just a little bit grabbier. Yeah, uh, and then of course the game-winning field goal coming a few moments later, uh, the ECU celebration, and of course anyone that wins a last-second game is going to celebrate. But that game meant a lot to this team, you could tell, and and, and reference this point with Coach Lamb. But BYU is a target team for everyone that you're going to face, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. And I know that one of the things for them when they beat um, uh, UCF the week before was beating a, a future Big 12 opponent yeah. and, and coming and doing it back to back. Man, that's huge for their program, and definitely something that I know that that they'd uh, look themselves in the mirror and be proud of and build off of. But um, I, I, you know, they should have they should have beat uh, NC State at the beginning of the year. I yeah. thought that they played really well the whole year um, and uh, definitely a good team. But they out-executed us and. And that's, that's what it came down to. I know you would like to get to more third downs, but uh, the third down defense by percentage was better than it had been uh, on Friday night. Yeah, just not, not as many opportunities. And that's probably the bigger thing is, is we, have to, we have to have more opportunities. And if we're talking about getting more sacks and all that stuff, it's not going to happen when you're expecting three, step, three steps or runs. I mean, it's, it's going to happen in the longer situations. And so we've got to put ourselves in, in third and seven plus more. Um, and uh, you've got to get uh, some stuff defenses on first and second down uh, in order to do that and we just uh, we just didn't uh, the disruptive plays the havoc plays we've already talked about sacks a little bit but it's more than just that um, did you see anything that that uh, that was encouraging that way and what can be done here down the stretch to maybe even be even more disruptive than you've been yeah you know I think it's like uh, you know, go, going down, going down all these all these rabbit holes. There's, it's not just one thing. There's, there's so yeah. many things. There's so many things that it could be, and there's so many things that it can't be. You know, and it's really we've won games. We've done well. We've played some good defense. Well, there's actually some stuff that Boise did that uh, is going to do that that um, we're, we faced earlier in the year. So going back and watching as a staff, just some of the things that we did well. Um, there's a lot more. There was the, felt like we were playing a lot more confidently, and now mm -hmm. it's kind of like um, you know when you're playing confident and you know a mistake is okay made a mistake here let's fix this and move on now it's almost like um, it feels like you make a mistake hey that that might be the thing that costs us the game and it's just it's such a, a fragile thing to be be working around when you when you're on a skid like this and so um, we've we've got to just just keep plugging away you know we've we've got to keep plugging away and we've got to the players we've got to make the plays we've got to just keep putting in position and and uh, you know when the ball uh, bounces our way and and uh, we're able to get the stop that we need, um, you know, in all three phases, we're, we're going to get the win that, that we've been working towards. All right. Time for a break. When we come back, we'll look ahead to BYU and Boise State with Coach Tuiaki. As we do break, a reminder that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays for BYU Sports Nation, uh, noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's. Some closing comments with Coach Eli Tuiaki coming up right after this. Stay with us. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's, The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Here in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, wrapping up today's show with BYU's defensive coordinator and D-Tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Four and five, BYU at six and two, Boise State this Saturday night. You've seen enough of the Boise State offense over the last few days to give us a, an idea of a team that uh, looks to be kind of rolling again. 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, definitely found their identity and, and uh, you know, with their, their new offensive coordinator, uh, they're running the ball really well, um, doing a good job taking shots and just minimizing turnovers and the quarterback can run. And so there's a lot of dangerous uh, components of their offense that, uh, but, you know, for, first, First and foremost, they know it, we know it, we've got to stop the run or else nothing else is going to work. And, and so the game plan going in has got to, be, got to be good. Start with stopping the run, and in this case, it also means a running quarterback. He's been good with his legs, hasn't he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, really, really dynamic. When he's, when, he's, when he's having to run through a maze, um, you know, not, not, as, not as dynamic, but when he gets out, I mean, he can run. He can run. All right, Coach E, thanks. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. That'll do it for week. I'll see you next week, actually, for week 10 of the Coordinator's Corner. That is it for coaches Ed Lamb and Eliza Tuiaki. My name is Greg Grubel. We will see you after the Boise State game next week. Have a great week and go Cougs.